Welcome, my friend, to Next Level Change Success, a change conversation for leaders, project and change practitioners for today and tomorrow. My name is Therese Perez of MyVirtualChangeManager.com and I'm an experienced change and project professional and people leader with many years of experience in the industry. I love business and I love the people side of business especially. So nothing lights me up more than seeing people use change management, project management and strong change leadership to engage, motivate and inspire people and ultimately transform organizations. If you've heard about change management and have no idea of what it involves, then you're in the right place. If you know about change management, but you want to take your practices to the next level, then this is where you should be. I'm going to share the stories of my experiences, interview some fantastic people, and I'm going to explore all of the challenges and opportunities that you face in organizations right now. So please join me and let's go and have some fun. Hello, hello and welcome. And today we're talking about change overload. When is there too much change in our podcast of Next Level Change Success? My name is Therese Perez and before I begin, I'd like to acknowledge that we're meeting on Aboriginal land. If you're listening to this podcast in Australia and Indigenous land in other parts of the world and pay my respects to the traditional owners and custodians on the land on which I'm talking today and you're listening today. So a couple of things to talk about today. It's a really interesting episode and concept in relation to change overload. So when do you have too much change going on in an organization? And certainly these are discussions that I've had recently. And I would say, you know, more so in this pandemic environment, because whilst we feel like it's kind of over, it really isn't. And the anxiety, the different way of working, the new normal is still still trying to figure it out in a lot of organizations. I wonder if it's the same in your organization at the moment. Some handling it a lot better, mainly because they probably were hybrid working, um, you know, the, the challenges of remote working, the connection aspects, the rhythms of the organizations might suit and, and it may not have been such a big leap into a new normal. And I think some organizations are still trying to get there. Now, that may be true of your team and organization. And today, what we're going to talk about is the impact of that around this concept of there's just too much change going on. People are fatigued. They may not have come into this year feeling refreshed at all. And now we're kind of into the second half of the year. And in the Southern Hemisphere, certainly we're going through winter and it has felt like a long winter this year. Uh, In the Northern Hemisphere, obviously you've been enjoying your summer. So hopefully you've made the most of that. And winter takes on a different form now, post-pandemic as well, because there's a lot more illnesses, a lot more different strains of illness, it seems, with the flus going around. And that almost is a new normal. I feel like that whether it's this year or next year that we're actually going to be experiencing that year on year. And that presents challenges for organizations and businesses that essentially will have high absenteeism because of illness. Or if people are working from home and whilst they're sick, they'll continue to work, which in the long term, there'll be a price to be paid for that as well. So a few things to consider there. Now, One of the aspects of change overload is this concept that a lot of people are talking about, which is cognitive overload, which is it's harder and harder to join the dots for things. So the better change that's rolled out 
uh, simple, easy to understand. I understand how this impacts myself. I understand what you need me to do or how I need to either lead the change or be part of the change. And so therefore, it's not something that I'm putting, investing cognitive energy into trying to figure out how this affects me. And so change and the way it's rolled out is becomes even more critical around its simplicity and its clarity for the people who are impacted. So it is really, really important that if you're in the change space and you're working on this, or if you're a people leader, you need to think about, let's simplify it, make it easy, make it easy for people to engage with the change versus create hurdles. And thus, you know, for if, if your organization's pushing face to face and, you know, the training has to happen, people have to come back into the office. I would really encourage a rethink on that because that in and of itself places an unnecessary anxiety onto people versus being accommodating and being inclusive and just moving to hybrid for everything. And then saying, what skill sets do we need to actually invest in for hybrid to work so that we can communicate this change and engage on the change? more easily if it's an internal change, of course. So that concept of cognitive overload, you really need to consider that. And whether you are from a change perspective, if you're rolling out something, having people have to think too hard about it and, uh, and work on simplicity, which sometimes it takes time to do that. So that comes down to the factor of, you know, you need to ensure that you're giving enough time for people to unpack the change and to then be able to communicate it effectively, which is really important, especially if you're a decision maker in organizations, you should be really making sure that that planning is done and the time is provided to those who are looking to communicate the change. So what are some of the indicators in organizations? So yeah, how do you know that you're struggling when it comes to the amount of change in an organization? Well, the first thing is that obviously a lot of people will actually mention it and it'll be in your staff surveys. It'll be in the anecdotal uh, noise, I guess, that you consider it to be in organizations. We're trying to do too much. We never do it well is oftentimes an indicator of that. Also your people engagement scores and what they look like. So what staff surveys you do in your organizations, there will absolutely be evidence of a sentiment that's sitting there saying, hey, we always try to do too much and it's always hard. And certainly more and more as people are feeling fatigued in their own personal life, that noise is going to be uh, amplified in organizations because of that as well. You'll see that the people indicators, now this is a really interesting space to unpack the change that needs to happen for the people in indicators of organizations. Now in the past, people would say, well, there's probably high absenteeism. And that really isn't the indicator anymore that really holds true because the reality is that a lot of people aren't taking sick leave uh, if they're remote working. If they're working from home, they'll struggle on and struggle through to continue to get things done. So it's probably not going to be as true an indicator as it used to be in relation to people taking sick leave. You would certainly, when it comes to people indicators, have a look at how much annual leave people are taking. And if anything, that they're not taking enough annual leave year on year because of the work from home. Okay, nah, couldn't be bothered, you know, booking in holidays or if I book in holidays, I'm going to book out a massive chunk of time versus smaller kind of incremental leave, which is sometimes better for people's mental health and well-being as regular breaks versus a big 
block of time and then I come back somewhat refreshed but uh, you know then I'm going to get worn out when I come back pretty easily so something to look at around your people indicators the rhythms and the conflict that might be in the workplace which is more than normal and that is a definite stress indicator that you will see in some organizations once again it's a bit of a qualitative measure rather than quantitative you might say look there might be more complaints coming through or there might be more bullying allegations that type of thing but that's not always the case sometimes some of the conflict is actually quite hidden in organizations but it's something that you can see within meetings the stress the siloed thinking that type of thing so all of that Uh, indicators around overload in general but also change overload if you're looking to transform your organization or if you're looking to actually make major change in your organization during that time you really have to consider those factors and as to whether the pacing of change needs to be really reworked to ensure that you're not overloading individuals uh, or leaders in an organization that might be really struggling Overall, of course, there will be a performance issue when it comes to rolling out too much change. Uh, Sometimes heading into, you know, you need to roll out change to actually improve performance gives a sense of urgency for sure. But you have to make sure that the energy behind that change is very clear, well considered and not fear based because it will have the opposite effect And in fact, sometimes the products or changes that are made as a result of coming from a space of fear um, are detrimental to an organization and aren't going to be sustained over the long term because they really were short term panic type changes versus well considered at the time. So a few things to think about there when it comes to performance, but performance in general, if it's really doing what we call a dead cat bounce versus, which is a a share trading term, but it's basically saying it's flatlining, then you really are looking at like a, or a short term kind of bounce and then that's it. Then you really are looking at um, having to address things in a different way and introduce change in a different way to be effective. So all of that being said, well, what can organizations do about it? So if you're a decision maker in an organization, if you're at the table or even if you're informing decision makers uh, and what they can consider, there are a couple of levers that there are absolutely sit with the executive teams in organizations, but make decisions that can help affect positive change or effective change. So let me talk through some of these levers, the pacing, maybe pacing some change in a different way, giving more time to a particular change, which is high impact. So ensuring that you're not rolling out another change on top of another change on top of another change, when in fact, you might have a transformational change that you want to introduce. And then there might be continuous improvement changes after that. But you need to give clearance for a major change to be embedded in an organization and to take effect and be sustainable. So for full adoption to be achieved, you do need time. You need to give people time and space and decision makers are in control of that lever around ensuring that there isn't more change rolled out until they're satisfied that the change that has been rolled out has been adopted to a sufficient level. And that's really, really important 
Now, over time, one of the factors that we've seen, or certainly one of the evidence points we've seen, is that if you if you change iteratively too much and in different ways versus within a certain theme, so continuous improvement is typically a a concept which says you have a process or a product and you're iterating on that, which is a bit of the agile method as well. So you're making iterative change over time, but it's within the same swim lane. So people are very clear. Now that can be a very positive approach and a very effective approach over time. However, if it's almost scattergun, one change after the other, not really themed, not really optimized, you are going to affect the quality as well as then the ultimate outcome in a negative way because it's just too disparate. And, and a lot of the time that will say that actually strategically we're not really aligned about the changes that we're making. It can be a bit of that reactive space. Too siloed, not optimized enough is going to affect the ultimate outcome. Another uh, aspect that the decision makers have the tools and levers they have if you're a decision maker you have in your hands is to ensure that all change is strategically aligned that it does line up and the outcomes do line up to the ultimate outcomes of the organization for the next 12 months or for the next two years or wherever that time factor may be if that is the case it is easier to communicate it's easier to get buy-in it makes sense and I often say if something doesn't make sense typically it does not make sense so you should not have to be you're unpacking and thinking how does this all line up because it just doesn't make sense once again decision makers they have those tools and levers in their hands now we talked about pace certainly the phasing the strategic alignment all sits with decision makers the measurement and making sure that everything is being measured and being reported on is something that decision makers should be asking for so that others can provide the, those evidence points so that once again, those in the executive levels have assurance that actually we are achieving what we set out to achieve. And sometimes it's not the issue or it's not the fault of the decision makers that uh, a change goes in and actually achieves the opposite outcome that they had anticipated because sometimes without implementing you actually just don't know um, what's going to be achieved so uh, important to always that's why the measures are really critical so that they can learn adapt and continue to iterate now the other thing in relation to pacing to notice is that um, when looking at leader change so having leaders roll out change to their teams leaders need time so once again, making sure that there aren't layer upon layer of changes happening, that people leaders are being expected to lead at peak times within their own business environment, such as performance review time or, you know, when there's um, major activity taking place with certain customer bases, when certain changes might be encyclical changes might be happening in the business as usual space. So important again, pace in consideration with cyclical activity, really critical for decision makers to consider the broader context in which both the people leaders may be required to respond to change or if there's a major strategic initiative taking place for the organization externally. At that time, you could consider not actually rolling out a lot of change internally to give people the time to focus 
on achieving those outcomes with external stakeholders. So a few levers, a few things to consider as part of this, of course, this is all about developing capability within organizations at executive level, but also within program teams to create a very change positive ecosystem in an organization, because that is really the ultimate outcome when you're looking at change overload is you need to raise the EQ regarding change, um, the people dashboards that help feed into that decision making, the visibility of cyclical activity, absolutely critical. And then looking at the program of work or the changes that you're rolling out across an organization, all those factors all combine to a very sound framework in which you can operate and then also respond from and quite an empowering one, which will achieve what we talk about agility, little a, not agile, but agility within an organization and an ability to look at uh, shifting and changing priorities month on month, making sure that there's um, clearance for adoption, making sure that changes in bed, hit indicators, hit performance indicators are strategically aligned and are paced well. So it sounds kind of good in theory, and I, I know certainly when looking at the practice of it, it's quite difficult to start. But once you get the momentum in the space and you get those elements in place and the stakeholders across organizations to come together to develop it, it can really enable you to manage your change workload internally and externally and ensure that it's optimized for your organization. So I'm interested in your comments, place them on you know, in the feedback, your reviews of the podcast, please pass this podcast on to those who may be in this space around looking at change capacity, what makes change overload, what do those indicators look like, and certainly come to myvirtualchangemanager.com. Come and visit the website it is something that we're going to be talking about with some tools and tips and tricks over time. So stay in touch, sign up for the newsletter changing because this is a really important space more so than ever before as I mentioned because of the pandemic the world that we live in and the impact of change on people and on your people and it's really important that that is quite measured so thanks very much I hope you found some of this information and tips insightful and certainly I hope to see you back at the next podcast episode have a great day and I'll catch up with you later.